Hello and welcome to Watkins Wise Words, a podcast that celebrates conscious, passionate, wise and happy living. Thank you for tuning in and here is your host. So hello and welcome. My name's Steve Nabell and today I'm speaking with Nick Moyle and Richard Hood on their book Brew It Yourself. Now both of these guys grew up during the UK homebrew boom in the 70s and 80s. They had parents who regularly made their own drinks from homegrown produce Um, and this kind of fired up their own passion and uh, in 2008 they built their own cider press and they've been producing cider for local pubs, uh, beer festivals and friends and uh, they've got their own uh, blog twothirstygardeners.com which they started in 2012. So really they're they're combining their two great loves, alcohol and gardening and uh, the book which is um, uh, produced by Nourish is... um, full of recipes and it's really you know i'm even inspired myself to give it a go so hello welcome to you both hello how, Hi, Steve. how did you get into this line of work stroke pleasure uh, well we um we live in somerset and we're kind of surrounded by um lots of apple trees so like many good somerset uh natives we decided to turn a load of them into into cider um, as you said, we built our own press uh, back in 2008 with a couple more mates, just pressed what apples we could find out and about. And lo and behold, the uh, cider tasted good. People liked it. So uh, we kind of progressed to uh, to other booze from there. <laughs> yeah. Was it, is, is it, you know, um, is it really hard work or is it kind of uh, just, I mean, if you're doing something you're really passionate about, I guess it's not hard work. Is that right? No, that's, that's right. I think um, I mean one of the attractions of, of, of making cider is to kind of get out in, in some of the Somerset orchards. Really, it's real. Um, this is a real kind of privilege. At, you know, when you're out there in autumn and you're kind of gathering apples from these amazing kind of hundred uh, year old orchards, and it's um, that, that's for me that's that's one of the most enjoyable parts. Really, um, uh, the actual cider making is is a bonus. Really, for, well, certainly for me, and it's, we've we've kind of been doing it long enough now to realise that we can kind of cut down on the um, the kind of complicated parts of it, and just kind of leave the leave the apples to kind of do do their own thing, really. And uh, it tends to kind of well, it's not not failed yet. And that's so uh, we've been doing it for six or seven years now. So it's, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty easy. But you need to kind of uh, watch what you're putting in the brew, I guess. Yeah, it's, that sounds brilliant. I mean, from the book, you know, you're covering things like wine, all kinds of wines, all kinds of beers, mead, which I actually love, mead, ciders, liqueurs, <laughs> sparkling drinks. I mean, it's such a great variety of what people can make um is it about saving money delighting family friends or you know what what really is the kind of driving force for it i i guess it's like anyone that um kind of has that connection with the outdoors and likes growing their own things or foraging things it's uh it's, it's probably it's, a, it's another form of turning that into something you can consume. So you know there are plenty of people that, that love making preserves and jam or cooking with their food, and you know we we're, we we like booze. So uh, for us, it's um, that the fun is to go out and see what we can gather and, and turn into as many different varieties of booze as possible. Is there a social element? You know, like as you're doing this, you find that you you know more friends are coming round. There's kind of you, people kind of get to know that you've got a good stash of of uh, beer or wine in the kind of cellar yeah you kind of we found that to start off with people were helping us pick the apples they were quite handy but then they kind of tail off and they realise it's actually quite hard graft but then you do get to the, the, they kind of uh, they return when it's time to uh, test the cider so it's, it's like the uh, little red hen isn't it they kind of who will help me who will help me bake the bread and everyone keeps quiet but uh, yeah people are too uh, all too pleased to help us taste it 
not maybe not yeah. too, um, keen on uh, helping us make it. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to say, well, yeah, one of the reasons why we, we set up the blog as well is because we wanted to expand our repertoire from the, the, the obvious stuff like, you know, some of the country wines and the ciders. And we couldn't find too many people out there who were who were growing other things and turning them into, you know, other drinks, you know, like, as you said, like you mentioned beers and some of the more unusual drinks in the book. So that, that actually was a way for us to connect and find other people doing similar things and share advice and, you know, maybe inspire some other people to, to make booze as well. So I think through the website, there's been quite a kind of community of like-minded diggers and swiggers. Yeah, and your website is, I just mentioned it, twothirstygardeners.com, two, that's T-W-O, that's thirstygardeners.com. Uh, there seems to be a, a great range of, of stuff you can make. I mean, if you go into a pub, I mean, there is a certain range of beers, perhaps, but, you know, certainly wines, you, you don't get this great range that you're talking about, do you? Um, well, you certainly won't find rhubarb wine in, in too many pubs, I'm, I'm sure of that. Um no, I mean obviously the, the grape has become the kind of the the, the, the king of the wine making fruits because it's got all the ingredients uh, you could ever wish to have in it. You know, water, sugar, acidity. It, it can even kind of come with its own own yeast. Um, so that's why the grape has become a popular thing for wine. But it, you know, it doesn't mean to say that there aren't other uh, ingredients out there that can be turned into wine. And yeah, if you want to if you want to drink them yourself, the chance are you've got to got to make it yourself. So again, that's another. Massive, massive appeal for us is you know rhubarb wine is absolutely delicious one of my favorites if you want to drink it you've got to you've got to make it yourself in the book you've combined you know that your love of gardening and kind of uh drinking wine and beer but you know i guess you don't have to be a gardener to to make wine or beer do you no not at all i mean it obviously helps if you've got the um kind of produce on hand and you can kind of grow it yourself but um no i mean you can kind of pick it with a lot, lot of the um ingredients in, in, in some of our recipes are you can pick up down the supermarket and you know, in the kind of farmer's market so no you don't necessarily need to uh, to grow them yourself what about kind of the whole organic thing and, and the chemical thing you know doing it yourself are you going to get a better product do you think i guess so yeah i mean it's, it's like everything isn't it if you the more you know about the the provenance of the ingredients you, you you're using the more confident that you can be that it's going to be you know a decent natural product at the end if you use all organic ingredients it's going to be it's going to be all organic booze um and and i think if you kind of grow it yourself and or you know source it yourself and it's fresh and psychologically the uh the pleasure is all the greater when you when you drink it. That sense of a, achievement, um, you know, certainly helps. Um. I, I guess you, you only need a few kind of basics, depending on what you make, really. But I mean, a, a demijohn's always handy for well, it's kind of essential really for, for kind of uh, fermenting your your booze in. I mean, you need a a kind of um, an airlock, a simple kind of plastic airlock. You you need yeasts. Um, um, unless you're kind of making cider, which you can kind of get away without using yeast, using the natural yeast on the, on the apples. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I can't think of anything else that stands out that you really... I mean, if you go on, online and kind of go to some of the the online uh, homebrew shops, you can kind of get a basic starter kits from there, and they'll kind of sort of uh, point you in the right direction. But, yes, yeah, essentially, um, you need very little kit. I mean, a lot of... If you kind of look at a lot of beer making books and things like that in the past, they kind of have a big old list of, uh, of kind of stuff you need to purchase. But that's not entirely correct. I mean, you can get away with the basics, really. 
And what about space? Like, do you need a cellar or a shed or something to get to get, get going? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, pretty much you can do it in your own kitchen. I mean, the only space you need is the space for a damage on. It depends on what kind of quantities you're talking about. But I mean, when we do our cider, we kind of uh, we're talking quite large quantities, so that that fills up my entire shed. Right. Um, but if, if you're doing wine, then yeah, just a shelf really, um, and, and space in the kitchen to kind of prepare it. I mean, is there, is there anything about licensing if you're going to make a load of stuff? Yeah, if you want to stop selling it, you need to kind of register with the, the local council, um, and they'll come and investigate your your preparations and, and kind of their cleanliness and health and safety and all that, um, and then they'll kind of hopefully sign it off. But um, if you're giving it away like we do, then no, it's, it's fine. As long as I think in um, if you're making cider, there's a certain volume that you can make without uh, without getting in trouble with this kind of tax tax reasons. But if, you, if you're not if you know, if you're not if you're not signing it, it's not an issue. What about, let's look at ingredients now. If you're kind of growing your own or foraging, where would you recommend people to really start? I know we mentioned rhubarb, but is there any other kind of ingredients you recommend people to start growing? Yeah, I think um, fruits tend to be the, the, the most versatile, best and e- easiest to grow. So, um, and then, you know, anything, that, anything with, with a surplus, if you're worrying what to do with that surplus, then, then booze is your answer. So we, we both um, like raspberries. They're pretty versatile. They can go in beers, wines, and, and liqueurs. They're pretty handy and abundant at this time of year. Obviously, you don't, you don't even need to grow stuff yourself. Go out to the hedgerows, and these days, you know, this time of year, you'll be uh, seeing loads of blackberries or sloes or damsons and that kind of thing. So... Mm absolutely plenty of fruit out there and there's other things like um you know herbs mints you can make um creme de menthe or mint wine out of mint leaves you can use a lot of tree leaves to make liqueurs which have a kind of nutty flavor to to spirits um basically if you can eat it there's every chance you can turn it into at least one form of booze and I know you've got this brilliant manifesto. I read your manifesto. Would you mention it? Because you talk about things like experimenting, researching, you know, um, patience, generosity, these things. Can you just go through your manifesto, which I thought was very interesting? Yeah, we wanted to create a kind of a, a, a set of rules. I think as Rich kind of implied with the getting the equipment, if you look at a lot of other books and online resources, it can be quite intimidating. You might, you might think you need to, you know, have qualifications in, in a drinks making before you even begin so we wanted to set out um a set of um ideals that kind of debunked a lot of those kind of myths that you hear about so yes yeah, it's, it's all very much about experimentation and having fun as you you're going along it, it's not like baking a cake where you need to measure out the ingredients to the nearest gram it's you know you can deal in handfuls and if you've got a handful too many or too little it's not gonna it's not really gonna matter too much or you know subtle shifts in the in the end product but it's a it's a case of letting nature do work, enjoying what you're doing, and you know, as you said, just said, be generous, share it with your friends, and you know, get other people involved because it really is all about you know having as much fun as possible. Where you know, if I'm a complete newbie at this, you know, um, where would you say this is the best place to start? This is where you'll get the best results. You know, the least place you can cock up. You know. <laughs> I would suggest um, one of the infusions. I mean, that's literally, I mean, if you try a slow gin, that's pretty simple. It's as simple as you can get, really. So go out um, November time. I mean, having said that, the slows are kind of almost ripe at the moment, but um, usually after the the first frost, you can go out, collect those slows, um, shove them in the freezer, 
Um, so it kind of breaks the skins and you can just add them to a bottle of vodka and let them infuse for a bit, give it a shake, job done really. You kind of, you know, you, you, you're basically using existing alcohol, existing kind of um, strong liquor to extract the flavours. So that's, you can't really go wrong unless you kind of pick the wrong berries. But um, okay. that's, that's not, I'd suggest that would be the simplest, simplest one to go to for a starter. And if I've done that, I want to experiment a bit more. Where would I, where would I go? Wines, beers, mead, cider. Where's the easiest? Oh, they're all they're all pretty straightforward, actually. So um, whatever whatever you fancy drinking yourself. If you if you're a, a beer man, then you you just need a, a couple of basic um, malt extracts and hops, which are readily available from homebrew shops. That's um, that's a couple hours work in the kitchen. That's all. Um, Wine is perfectly straightforward and obviously takes longer to mature. So if you're not a not a patient person, then you know maybe hang her off on the wine and get on on the beer. Um, cider cider is an absolute doddle. All you need to do with cider is convert apples into juice and and then let nature do its work. So I I I'd suggest you. Uh, leaf through the book see what drink you want to make and then and then make it rather than worrying about what's the easiest they're all they're all pretty straightforward there's nothing nothing too taxing in there okay i must admit that my personal pleasure is mead i really love it it's pretty hard to get in london because it's a bit expensive as well is that also pretty easy it's easy enough but it just takes time to mature that's that's the one thing with mead i mean if you're really into your mead you'll be waiting sort of six or seven years for it to mature um we have got a quick and easy mead recipe in the book. I think I can't remember rightly, but I think it's a, it takes a year to kind of uh, mature. But that, I mean, that's a great drink. If you if you're waiting another seven years, it will be a nicer drink, but it still be still be great after a year. Um, but yeah, it's, um, that's one of the more specialist ones, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's an easy thing to make. A slow burner. Well, let me ask uh, you, Nick. Uh, what's your favourite uh, recipe? You know, tipple. Uh, I, I, I'm asked this a lot at the moment, and I, I, I keep changing my mind <laughs> according to my my mood. Um, I, I guess for all our kind of cider making, I'm, I'm probably more of a beer man. Uh, I like the dark beers, so uh, there's, a, there's a recipe for London Porter in the book, and that's probably my uh, my go-to recipe. A nice dark, hoppy, hoppy, smooth pint of London Porter. Again, absolutely easy to make, and and one of the ones that you know. The, the, the taste of that will be very little different to a, a really good one you can buy down the pub. So that's a, that's an absolute corker. Great. And Richard, what's your what's your uh, choice? Um, well, obviously keen on the ciders um, for reasons I've said before about the actual kind of making process involved in the kind of uh, kind of being out there in nature and kind of picking your apples. But I think I quite like I would say nettle beer just because it's quite unusual. It means you can kind of chop down all the nettles on the allotment. Um, and put them to good use and it's nice summer kind of drink nice and light and sparkly and uh, it tastes surprisingly nice well guys it's been a pleasure talking with you and like, the book is by published by Nourish it's called Brew It Yourself um, I've mentioned your blog twothirstygardeners.com uh, all the best with you with the book and with your you know future experimentations thank you Steve yeah thanks for your time good to, good to chat with you like what you've heard be part of our community by visiting watkinspublishing.com, following us on Twitter at Watkins Wisdom or liking us on Facebook.